everyone, and welcome to the Slash Filmcast. I'm David Chen, and with me are... Devinter Hardware. And Jeff Kanata. Welcome to the show, everyone. What we're going to do here on the podcast this week, which we're recording a little bit earlier than usual, super earlier than usual, it's like 6.45 a.m. right now, uh, is we're going to be discussing... Woo! What we're going to be doing on the show this week is we're going to be discussing uh, a couple of your emails, moving on into some what we've been watching this week, and then concluding with an in-depth review. This week, we'll be reviewing the new J.C. Shandor movie, Triple Frontier, which just debuted on Netflix a couple days ago. Uh, So looking forward to talking about that with you guys. But before we get into any of that, let's let's talk about some of the emails we've been getting the last couple weeks. So I'm going to spoil Avengers Infinity War. So just like if you haven't seen Avengers Infinity War, skip forward, whatever. Uh, you should probably watch it. A lot, of, a lot of people talking about what's going on with that movie, but uh, I am going to respect that if you haven't seen it and you want to skip ahead, that's fine. Uh, so in our uh, review of Captain Marvel last week, I made a salty remark about how uh, Thanos had gotten all the Infinity Stones in the course of one week and how I found that to be pretty unbelievable because like, He's been going after the it's Infinity Stones. It's been st- one wing since I got a stone. <sighs> wow. Nothing? Nothing like um, that? No, no, it's, it's okay, though. Uh, so, yeah, uh, we got many emails from people. Basically, people trying to explain to me why it would be that Thanos waited so long to do all the Infinity Stones in one week. Uh, and so many different explanations of why that's the case. Uh, I actually, there's one explanation that I actually uh, found to be mo- that I was most sympathetic to, uh, and that was the explanation that he needed the the ingredients for the soul stone obtaining to be in place uh, before he launched his mission. So that because like he's obviously going to attract yeah. a lot of attention when he's yeah going you don't want to start stones. collecting stones and showing everybody that you're a stone collector. <laughs> And before uh, you know where all the stones are, you got to like you got to bide your time. You got to sit on the, that weird space throne and just hang out. <laughs> yeah. And let, let a lot of other movies happen first. It's like an then... Ocean's Eleven heist. Just to do it all at the end or something. Yeah, you know. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, thanks for all the emails explaining why Thanos <laughs> waited so long to get the stones. Uh, I actually appreciate the emails because it shows people still care and are still listening to the show. So uh, there were many of them, but I uh, appreciate all the varied explanations for that plot. Not whole. I mean, look, it's a plot uh, mechanic, plot function. Look what, happened to, uh, look what happened to the collector. You know, he comes out hard as, a, as wanting a stone. <laughs> Things turn out bad for him. They did turn know? out pretty badly for him. Yeah, agreed. Uh, okay, and also got an email uh, in response to our Shoplifters review from a couple weeks ago. This email comes in from Connor Demo- uh, from Des Moines, Iowa, uh, who writes in to slashfilmcast.gmail.com, quote, I really enjoyed your review of Shoplifters and especially your choice of Shoplifters over, over Greta. I had a quick point to make regarding Japanese movies about the urban poor. Director Sion Sono has made many movies about this. Love, Exposure has supporting characters that are actually shoplifters, although the main characters are middle class. Himitsu, also Themis, centers around two destitute characters I believe live in a suburb. Guilty of romance deals with poor people forced into prostitution. Hair extensions deals with child abuse. And Tokyo Tribe deals with the futuristic urban poor. Although his films can be bonkers and insane and effing awesome, they also deal with the realities of everyday Japanese people. Just thought I'd mention that since it was brought up in the discussion. Um, cool. So Sion Sono is the uh, uh, director, mm-hmm. and uh, some some 
names of films there that that deal with the uh, urban poor that you uh, uh, that we talked about during that uh, review of Shoplifters. So good call, great director, and also bonkers guy. Like uh, <laughs> I've talked about some of his films; they're they're insane. All right. Well, thanks for the recommendation. Uh, Connor from Des Moines. And you can always write into us at slashfilmcast.gmail.com if you have a response to any of our shows. Uh, so let's dive into what we've been watching, gentlemen. I, I'm really looking forward to this one, Dave. Uh, just imagine <laughs> you in the theater watching this movie. Go for it. Okay. So I had a chance to see Gaspar Noe's newest film, Climax. Have you heard of, uh, have you heard of this new movie, uh, Climax, by Gaspar uh-huh. Noe? Uh-huh. Big, uh, big musical, I hear. Yeah. It's uh, the feel-good musical of the year is what I understand. It's like, yeah. it's like a Mary Poppins redo, right? Yeah, it's uh, it's certainly the same rating as the Mary Poppins. It's certainly the same <laughs> level of maturity as Mary Poppins required to be in the theater. Oh, you're so good. Thank you. Like I'm so happy. I couldn't be happier. <laughs> No way is a provocateur uh, and a who, what, in, who, in my opinion, is a brilliant filmmaker. Right? He made uh, he's he's only made a few films. I Stand Alone debuted in 1998. Irreversible in 2002. Enter the Void in 2009. Love, uh, which is on Netflix right now, I think, in 2015, mm-hmm. and now Climax. Uh, and this guy, in, in my opinion, is a straight up visionary. I mean, you know how you see trailers say, like, from the visionary director of Watchmen. Uh, this is one of those guys for whom I would be okay with that designation. I, I, I yeah. think he is uh, – he uses – Because he made Watchmen? <laughs> no. He uses film in a way to capture uh, sensations and experiences and emotions that it, that no one else does, like, in my opinion. no No one else is better able to replicate – the feeling of being on drugs as Gaspar Noé when you're watching one of his movies. And, and that's uh, something we want. <laughs> uh, it, it depends. It's certainly an acquired taste. Uh, and so I had a chance to go see Climax at the Sif Egyptian Theater in Seattle this past week. And uh, I thought it was a really uh, great experience. I mean, uh, it, it is basically a dance horror film. And I'll just be very vague and say, like, that's that's all I'll say about it is it's a dance I, horror film. Another one of those. <laughs> that old chestnut. And it uh, uses a lot of the the techniques that we've seen in earlier Noe films, specifically Enter the Void, right? Over, like, c- kind of a, the camera is kind of floating 
uh, either above the action or in the action. It feels like kind of floating. It's like the camera's turning and rotating. Feels like you're kind of like almost like a ghost drifting through this space. Most of the film takes place in one location. Many of the shots are done. Uh, they they last for minutes at a time and show uh, some really brilliant and uh, compelling choreography, uh, like dance choreography. Apparently, the script was only a few pages long. A lot of it was improvised, uh, but I actually thought the actors and dancers did a really good job of of conveying uh, normal reactions, natural reactions to the situation that they were in, which, again, I'm going to be extremely vague about. So uh, I thought it was great. That being said, many people, including my wife, walked out of the film. So, <laughs> wow. uh, did she just leave you there? Did like, she call peace. an Uber? <laughs> uh, she waited in the lobby for me, uh, which is oh man, wow. which is not not the first time she's walked out of a movie that I've been watching with her. Was was uh, that a signal, Dave? Like watching a Gaspar Noe movie, and uh, yeah. Well, I'll say I'll say what she said about it, uh, which is that the uh, Gaspar Noe is many things. He uh-huh. has many talents, but one thing he is not is subtle. And uh, I think uh, my wife was watching this movie. She got like 30 minutes into it. And she said, you know, I think I, I, think I get the point. I think I, exactly. I, think I, I, think I know yes. what this guy's trying yeah. to say. And then so she wait, just, this is what, two-hour movie? Uh, it's like 90 minutes. 90 minutes, yeah. So she had uh, an hour of the lobby time waiting for her husband to catch up to the movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's right. It's, like, it's one hour and 36 minutes. And uh, that's right. Yeah, it was, it was like 30, 40, 40 minutes through after a particularly challenging scene. Listen, there's a lot to do in the lobby. You can, like, uh, read the news, play some arcade games. She had Other people joined her. Other people joined her, too. So it, yeah, it wasn't I can, like I can't that. Imagine, I, I can imagine, like, the first audience that saw Irreversible and that notorious rape scene and I've seen that movie. I just cannot stomach the guy after that, basically, because mm-hmm. it's it lasts for ten minutes. It is just you see the point of it, but does it need to be that long? I don't yeah. know. I uh, actually still to this day have not watched that scene yet because I've heard it's so upsetting. It's uh, very upsetting. Yeah. But I've seen I've seen all of his other movies other than I Stand Alone. I've seen every single. I've seen Enter the Void. I've seen Love. Uh, but this one, I think, is probably his least. Uh, <laughs> he, I have he heard it's very accessible. Yeah, it's very accessible. It's very access. It's his most accessible movie. Uh, I, I, I think it treats his characters least cruelly. You know what I mean? <laughs> than all of his other movies. Okay. Uh, I, I, I really thought he was a uh, that's was... progress. I guess like just not being cruel to to your people. Like that's the thing that kind of annoys me with the uh, especially the like European provocateur directors between him and like uh, Lars von Trier, right? Like. There's some value in what they're doing, but then I have to get over rolling my eyes over you trying to, like, you know, astound the audience or gross out the audience or something. Well, I, I mean, uh, this it's all in the teaser poster for Climax, which I think debuted at uh, Con, I think. I, I don't remember when it came out, but there's a teaser poster for Climax. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read from the teaser poster. It says... You despised I Stand Alone. You hated Irreversible. You loathed Enter the Void. You cursed Love. Now try Climax, my new film, Gaspar Noe. Yeah. Uh, which just kind of tells you everything about like the, yeah. the It's attitude. like if Bart Simpson made a movie. Right. Except it, he it's, was... it's like, I dare you to hate this. I dare <laughs> you to hate this. And it's Eat like, now I try. <laughs> Eat my... Yes. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, so a lot of people find that attitude to be pretty irritating, and I can completely understand that. But I, I don't. I try. I try to put that a lot on my mind. I try not to pay attention to that. I just watch the movie and uh, found it very enjoyable. So the movie's climax. I think it's already out in like home video in other parts of the world. It's out in limited release right now. Um, I I actually was so inspired after seeing this movie. I bought Enter the Void on Blu-ray. Uh, just because I, I really enjoyed that movie as well. So you need another hit of this. Need another hit of that Gaspar Noé, and he. Yeah. Uh, so just a couple of closing. Like when the thoughts. camera pan zooms into the aborted fetus, I I see the history. You know, I feel the history of the universe. In yeah, that, shot. that was pretty. That was pretty rough yeah. scene. Um, but uh, can, I, can I just dig in slightly on on your uh, marital relationship? Yeah, you, you <laughs> because you I want to know about the the moment of uh, I'm out from yeah. your wife, who's who's by the way. A delightful, lovely, wonderful person. <laughs> this makes me I... like her even more. Yes, <laughs> yes, I agree. Uh, does she? Is there any any feeling on your part that you should join her? That you should, or, or no? You've made a de- we we made a decision to come here tonight. You can't handle it. That's on you. Is well, the David Chen position? Here's here's one of the things that I really uh, love about my wife. Who, by the way, by the time you're listening to this. Uh, we'll have had our one-year anniversary, so it'll be a year since you guys were here. Congratulations. Uh, Goodness. And, and one of them, so ha- went to celebrate it. Uh, yeah. to <laughs> this, is, this was a celebration, that's right. Uh, so happy anniversary. Um, and uh, uh, here's one of the things I love about my wife is that it, it, it's her opinion, like her uh, belief that we should live separate lives you know what i mean like that that we should like it's okay that our lives are separate from each other there's right? a like, giant wall in your house and you have to like yeah there's a big know, line stop. in that we drew in the house that like you can't cross you know um but no it, it's it, there's some people who are like oh we're a couple we need to be a couple together like all the things we do need to be couple things mm-hmm. uh and she's just not like that so i think it's like and like and, you're into you're into watching horrific movies she's into hanging out in lobbies you know? <laughs> <laughs> well well, one of her favorite movies is this movie called Soap Dish, uh, yeah. which is uh, R- Robert Downey Jr. in his pre-Iron Man career. And there is a line in that movie uh, where one of the characters says, you know, th- like uh, that the kind of thing they're looking for, they want something that's peppy and cheap. They want something peppy and cheap, peppy and cheap. So she'll always say like peppy and cheap. And when we're going to go see something, she's like, is this peppy and cheap? Uh, and Climax is <laughs> the not. answer. Answer is always no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, although, although most recently, you know, um, she's been saying like like the Marvel films are kind of peppy and cheap. They're not. They're not cheap, obviously, but they they do feel yeah, a little yeah. inconsequential. They feel very peppy, yeah. at least, right? Um, sure. And and the Marvel feel... was indeed very peppy. Yes. Right, right. Exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, it's kind of like that's it's it's not like never do these things coincide, Jeffrey. But they they don't coincide a lot of the time. So <laughs> I would just like um, I just like to point out that living separate lives is all well and good until you ride share, and then yeah. <laughs> and then you're sitting in the lobby for an hour. I just I just feel I just my heart goes out to her. You know, you know well, gazing uh, over at the popcorn machine and watching the person fill it, and then. <laughs> And then maybe getting up and walking over to the water fountain and getting some water for herself. And then, you know, it's just like looking at her watch and going, oh, that 
Another 45 minutes of this. <laughs> <laughs> well, a few things. First of all, we all have smartphones now, Jeff. So no one's uh, ever bored. Okay? I just want to put that out point. there. But the second thing is, uh, yeah, I mean. Just really candy crushing it. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. Or, or something, some version of it. That's right. So, uh, and then the second thing is that, uh, you know, the way, the way it played out. I'll just tell you the way it played out. We got 40 minutes into this movie. And then she just uh like or like 30 minutes in something bad happens and she's like if this continues in this way i think i'm out of here and then <laughs> and then something else bad happened at the 40 minute mark or so and then uh-huh. she turns to me she's like i'm sorry i have to go yeah. um, you guys need a safe word for these uh <laughs> couple journeys I, I will say the other movie that uh she walked out of that that we went to see together was green room the jeremy solney mm. movie oh yeah and oh, uh right about the part when someone gets their um stomach cut, cut open Mm-hmm. Uh, was when she was like, "Okay, peace out. I'll wait for you in the <laughs> lobby." Um, but I think it's like if if it had been in the first eight minutes, ten minutes, or whatever, I'd be like, "Okay, yeah, that's fine. Like, let's let's. I will leave with you. This night is shot. I will come back to the theater at a separate time uh-huh. and uh, and watch this movie. Then she should turn those moments into like a show or something. Just like <laughs> walking should. out." Walking out. Okay, so my husband went to see this movie. It's about, yeah, it's about these white supremacists in a band. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. So, but I'm just saying, I'm just letting you know that if it was in the first, like, few minutes, uh, maybe even 15 minutes, I'd be like, okay, that's, you know, that's cool. Let's let's try to salvage this evening. Let's go uh-huh. find a, a place to get dinner or something. But, like, 40 minutes in, guys. Come on. I will I say... Mean, you should have you should have like a red flag list, Dave, and uh, Gaspar Noe is at the top of that. List. I, I will. Come hey, on. let me also put this out there. Let me also put this out there. I sent her uh, three movies. Right. I, I, I sent her. Hey, wow! The Seattle Film Festival, like they they run movies. They have a, a, a theater called the Sif Uptown and Sif Egyptians, Seattle International Film Festival, and they were playing a lot of good movies this this weekend. The new Ascar Farhadi movie, uh, nice. the yeah. the Florian. Uh, Von Donner's Mark movie, right? The foreign film that was nominated for for best uh, foreign film. Uh, I sent her these movies. I said, "Hey, I'm interested in seeing um, some combination of these movies this weekend. Let me know which one you're interested." In. She chose Climax. She watched the trailers for all three of them. She chose Climax. So I, I think just it's I'm not just like taking her right, to this right. movie, you know, completely yeah. without her knowing anything about it. So. But you know who Gaspar Noe is. Yes, yes, you I know do. what he can do. So <laughs> I like to, I like to conceptualize the uh the inverse of this moment where dave is forced to get up and leave and you like uh-huh. you made it you made it through 30 minutes of a dog's way home uh <laughs> but it's just too peppy and cheap for you and you're yeah. out you know yeah 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 it's possible anyway <laughs> i do i do think the peppy and cheap uh rubric grading rubric is a useful one for for mm. people i think that's i think there's a lot of people in the world who like peppy and cheap movies, and so it's nothing it's wrong inc- with peppy and cheap. Nothing, nothing wrong. wrong. Yeah. It's it's encouraged me to expand my horizons beyond what I currently am interested in because none of it is peppy and cheap. So <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> so anyway, for every yeah, uh, Lloyd Frontier movie, you get to see I don't know an early rom com or something. Yeah, there, yeah, there's a lot, so, something like that. So uh, okay. Oh, oh, so I, you guys kind of derailed me a little bit, but I'll just say that that uh, the thing I liked about about Climax is it has many of Gaspar Noe's hallmarks, including like a really thumping baseline. I know that sounds weird to say, but like if you if you see like Enter the Void, like one of the best things about that movie is the way it uses music. There's sure, just this yeah. like this like 
ambient thrum of the bass that's going on, like, mm-hmm. for virtually the entire film. That would and, honestly be a good movie to see in the theater with, like, a transducer in the seat so that you're you're getting yeah. shook with the movie, too, or something. It's just, I, it's just a very, like, reassuring kind of, like... You you're know, getting like, shook while you're getting shook. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Yeah, it's, it's that's really his cool. next movie. It's just shook. <laughs> I'm just gonna, also say, yeah. have you guys ever seen that documentary called Rise uh, about uh, crumping? The dance. Oh, I have yeah. actually. Yeah. Yeah. So, so apparently, Gaspar Noé was inspired to make Climax after he saw that Rise movie, uh, <laughs> because like he he's so impressed with the dancing in that movie. Um. So it was it, the the David LaChapelle uh, documentary, <laughs> and there's a lot of like that style of dancing in Climax. Uh, yeah. And it's actually really impressive because he a lot of the quote unquote actors are actually dancers. Mm-hmm. And they're they're very good at it, so it's actually really uh, interesting to see visually. Like it's a, it's a very interesting movie. So I, I really enjoyed it. I'd recommend it if you want to be provoked, uh, if you want to be upset. Then I think Climax by Gaspar Noé is a good choice. So or or just visit Twitter. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. So th- that's what I've been watching this week. Uh, Jeff, what have you watched this week? I have been enjoying the new uh, show on Netflix. I don't know if it's a new show or if it's just mm-hmm. new to Netflix. I yeah, think it's, it's one a, of those. You so, never yeah. know anymore. You never know anymore. Uh, called Working Moms. Uh, this is a uh, the uh, brainchild of Catherine Reitman. And I should note, uh, just for disclosure, that uh, a few years ago I became pretty friendly with Catherine Reitman. And she helped me out on my Kickstarter and did some things. I haven't talked to her in a long time. But um, – I was sort of inclined to like something that she made, and I I like this very much. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. But I think it's it's fun. It's um right in the wheelhouse for something my wife and I can enjoy together. Um, it's it's, no. it's uh, it looks peppy and cheap from the. Uh... It is indeed. Yeah. It is. I I, I think that's a, maybe um uh, could be perceived as a pejorative from her perspective. Uh, uh you know, the, from Catherine Reitman's perspective. But I I wouldn't use it as such. I think it is. It is peppy and cheap in all the right ways. It, it also, I think, is about some real stuff. Like it doesn't shy away from, you know, there's a, a big postpartum depression angle that that the the show handles. I mean, it's a comedy. It's a half hour comedy, um, a Canadian half hour comedy about moms, new moms who are going back to work after what is just a glorious amount of uh, maternity leave because it's a Cana- set in Canada. Um my wife was like, what? They haven't been working for six months. What? Um, yeah. Yeah. But uh, it's, uh, it, you know, it, it is definitely in our wheelhouse of talking about things that we have gone through and are going through about um, ambitious, capable, smart women who are trying to balance the impossible, which is, you know, be the perfect mom and also be uh present in their working lives um but i think it does does that with uh, a level of of self-deprecation and humor and fun and uh cleverness and brings out some i mean there are certain things you've seen a million times with that trope but it i think mines some new ground and does some things in in really smart ways and um I mean, it's amazing. It's Catherine Reitman, right? She's Ivan Reitman's daughter. So he, he, her dad is played by Dan Aykroyd, which I was like, oh, oh wow, Dan Aykroyd. Um, uh, so I don't know. It, it was uh, – I, I enjoy it. It's light. It's, you know, 
peppy and cheap, but it is, um, I think it's fun. And especially if you have kids or have recently had kids or are sort of going through that as well, I think you'll, you'll find a lot of joy in it. Very cool. Uh, the show is Working Moms. It's on Netflix right now. And yeah, I, I did not mean to be uh, pejorative in the Pepe and Cheap. I actually consider it to be uh, a compliment. Um, but uh, by the way, I, I do want to quote the line from Soap Dish in which this uh, phrase first appears. Uh, a character named Edmund Edwards says the following, quote, I would like to voice my strong concern about this show's spiraling decline in ratings. David, ever since you took us to the Caribbean, it's been Jamaican homeless people sucking soup and a big wave outside that cost $100,000. That's depressing and it's expensive. Two words I hate. You know the words I like? I like the word peppy and the word cheap. Peppy and cheap, end quote. Anyway, just just wanted to give that soap dish movie another shout out. Um, (laughs) Glad you're enjoying Working Moms on Netflix. And Devendra, what have you been watching this week? Um, oh, yeah. Quickly, my thoughts on Captain Marvel. I did listen to your review, ah. guys, and I mostly agree with you all. Um, it, it feels like mid-tier Marvel for me. Um, one thing I'm surprised you didn't bring up, though, is the idea of this movie. It's another Marvel thing that's kind of dealing with uh, colonialism and refugees hmm. in particular. Oh, like yeah. it is, It is a refugee crisis movie. And I found that to be really interesting too, like following along Thor Ragnarok and everything like and even Black Panther. Like these are movies dealing with colonialism in pop culture ways. And I, you know, that's kind of interesting. I like how I thought I I brought that up when I was talking about the uh, anti-imperialist message. But I guess I guess I didn't make that clear enough. Uh, Mm -hmm. I agree with you. I agree with you that I I think it's no accident that one of the characters uh, calls Earth a shithole. At one point yep. in the movie, which is Most the definitely. same phrase that uh, Donald Trump used to describe uh, countries of um, that he didn't he wasn't a fan of. Uh, yep. So anyway, I, I agree that it is that. But I also think that the rah rah, you know, the U.S. military is great. Uh, kind of is a weird. I, I, I honestly did not take a lot of that out of the movie. So That's like it. this is an this is an anti war movie at the end of the of the day, Dave. Like. It, it, yeah, I, I, I don't you. think the I U.S. Air Force saying. sees it that way. Yeah. But okay, anyway, I, I mean, that's, so it I, doesn't I don't... matter what the U.S. Air Force says. Like the movie, the text is like clearly, uh, we've created something to end war. What what yeah. message are we taking away from that? You know, I, yeah, I, I kind of feel like jokes on them. You know, yeah, jokes exactly. On the Air Force, <laughs> exactly. They do not get. They're being trolled right now, and they don't get it. But fine, they'll they'll go along with it, I guess. But I see what you're saying. I see you raising the point about it. Uh, maybe that's a bigger point around something like Triple Frontier. That we'll talk about later. Yeah, fair enough. Um, okay, cool. Uh, anything else you want to talk about? Or I've also good? been watching uh, Black Earth Rising, the Netflix series that launched a couple months ago, and uh, this is a show by Hugo Blick, and he is an English uh, actor and writer and director. He did The Honorable Women several years ago, starring Maggie Gyllenhaal, and Ooh. I loved that miniseries. Uh, and this one, I've been really looking forward to it because it stars Michaela Cole. Um, from chewing gum and you know tremendous comedic actor, but this show really forces her to like uh, use her dramatic chops. Uh, also has John Goodman and a great slew of people you'd recognize from a lot of British shows. And uh, this is a political thriller, and it's really interesting too because it's set. It's basically revolving around the aftermath of the Rwandan genocide, and Michaela Cole plays um, you know a child who was adopted who miraculously survived the slaughter and was adopted by a British family and is dealing with that identity crisis. But the show also goes back and is dealing with like, I think the, the guilt of the people who survived and also like 
the people and countries and, you know, governments that could have helped and probably didn't. Um, it's kind of using all that around a decent, like, conspiracy thriller format as well. Uh, there's a lot of stuff it doesn't do that's quite new, but I really, this is just like a genre I really enjoy. And I love Michaela Cole. And John Goodman is here, too, as her sort of, like, father figure trying to help her figure out the mystery. Uh, yeah, it's all very good. I'm surprised more people aren't talking about this show because uh, it does feel like the sort of thing people would be binging on Netflix and, uh, you know, talking about the twists and turns right after. But for some reason, I don't know, it seems to be getting pretty ignored. So check I agree. It out. I haven't heard anybody talking about it. Yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. I think you'd appreciate it, Jeff, just for yeah. John Goodman, too. Uh, and Hugo Blick, by the way, like I lo- I think I just love the way this guy constructs stories. Uh, but he, as an actor, I didn't even realize like he was uh, he was in Tim Burton's Batman. He was <laughs> Jack Napier. He oh, was wow. the guy who's like, have you ever danced in the pale moonlight? That was him. Yeah. So that's a, that's a little fun tidbit. Uh, but he seems to be having a great career as a writer, producer and actor as well now. Very cool. The show is Black Earth Rising and mm-hmm. it's on Netflix right now. And uh, Devinder, how far into it are you? About halfway through. It's it's really good. It's really intense. Very cool. That's what we've been watching this week. Before we get to our review of Triple Frontier, we got to thank all the people who donated to this podcast. Big thanks to Stephen Garrity from Prince Edward Island, Canada, who says, Every time Jeff says, well, Dave, before a limerick, I become a little bit more likely to make a donation to the Slash Filmcast. Uh, and also this donation from Susan Monk, who writes, If you won't eat a mountain of meat... Or go to a movie that's not across the street. Let me provide aid. Your ride will not be delayed. Hope the next film makes your heart skip a beat. But not the bad way requiring a trip to the ER. (laughs) Uh, So thanks for that, Susan. I mean, really appreciate the donation. Nothing I'm about to say should, should be interpreted as being against the donation. Uh, But Jeff, I really feel like you're, you're a bad influence on our listeners not because of the limericks, but because mm. just this, just this limerick meter, man. It's just, it's you know, it's loose <laughs> at best, is what hey, I would describe it as. I'm, I think I'm pretty, I, I think I'm pretty, you know, I, I understand how a limerick is supposed to work. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. That said, you're really gonna hate me this week. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then a big thanks to new subscribers, uh, Mitchell Ringenberg, Matthew Richards, Andy from Scalpel for Hire Vet Services, and Hebo Yusuf, uh, or Yusuf, Yusuf. Uh, thank you so much for your contributions at the rate of a few dollars per month. If you want to support the Slash Filmcast financially, you can always go to paypal.me slash filmcast. That's paypal.me slash the word filmcast. You can also go to slashfilm.com, use the slash filmcast tab, and the PayPal link's on the side of the page. Please do not donate if it in any way causes you you hardship in your life. But if you do want to support us and uh, help us to maintain the show, uh, help us defray the cost of seeing movies and putting on this podcast for you, we'd really appreciate it. Let's move on to our review of Triple Frontier. First things first. Any man here that wants to walk away can do so knowing they're the best of us. This gotta be now. There is no ground support. The injuries we sustain, we're walking out with. Make no mistake about it. You guys need to own the fact that we do not have the flag on our shoulders. You cannot go back to your normal life after tonight. Everything we've done for the last 17 years with nothing to show for it 
You've been shot five times for your country, and you can't even afford to send your kids to college. If we had accomplished half the things that we've accomplished in any other profession, we'd be set for life. I'm your masters of war. The question is, do we finally get to use our skills for our own benefit? We're going to get Gabriel Martin Larea. He's got over $75 million in cash. If we're not gone forever after you make your move, we are dead. That was from the trailer for Triple Frontier, the newest film by J.C. Shandor. Uh, I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. Five ex-Special Forces soldiers plan to rob a cocaine cartel boss of all his cash at his house in the Amazon jungle area of the triple borders, Peru, Brazil, and Colombia. Which, by the way, <laughs> reading that description yeah. is how I, I realized under- what the I movie. understood the title. Now yeah. I understand what the title Finally. is. Uh, they do not make that clear in the film at all, as far as I know. The talent behind this movie is incredible. It's astonishing. You have yeah. J.C. Shandor, who is the director of uh, critically acclaimed films, not necessarily huge hits, but critically acclaimed films, including A Most Violent Year and All is Lost. All is Lost is is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Brilliant film. One of the best films of that year. You got uh, Mark Bull, who is a frequent collaborator with Catherine Bigelow, who I think is an executive producer on this film. She yeah. is, yes. Yeah. Uh, Mark Bull, the writer of uh, Zero Dark Thirty, uh, The Hurt Locker, Detroit, uh, In the Valley of Ela, super talented person. Uh, I think didn't he also help out with like the second season of Serial as well? Anyway, he, he really uh, prolific person who's like ha- has dealt with uh, kind of cinema and stories that take place in realistic environments, right? That like he's he understands deeply the experiences of the people who have been in these situations, like the ones depicted in Triple Frontier. You have actors like Academy Award winner Ben Affleck. You got Oscar Isaac, Charlie Hunnam, Garrett Hedlund, mm-hmm. Pedro Pascal. Uh, ben Affleck, by the way, who's like maybe third in the cast list, which is kind of surprising <laughs> yeah. to me. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, just the talent behind this movie is amazing. And so with all that pedigree, Devendra Hardwar, do you think this movie lived up to it? I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. It does feel like kind of a maybe a dry run for a deeper concept. Um, but yeah, it, it, this movie, it feels like a Mark Bold movie. It feels like an exploration of military life and its effect on people. And also um, certainly far campier than any of his other things, because this is a movie uh, that kind of starts off as a look at like, you know, the impact of doing military service and kind of how, you know, it makes it hard to live a normal life after that. And, yeah, a, a drug raid that feels morally righteous in a way that goes wrong really quickly. Um, I enjoyed it overall. Like, there's there's a lot of really interesting stuff going on here. I love the relationship between all these characters. Um, I think the set pieces are really well done. There's a house raid um, and several chases and even just, like, a long, grueling uh yeah hiking. There, there's a long it, let's trek. just say hiking let's just say hiking there's a long trek this movie <laughs> reminds me a lot of uh sorcerer the yeah. movie the friedkin movie that we reviewed a couple years ago when they re-released it which is also a movie about a long trek in south america uh bringing cargo uh this cargo won't explode but it it just like that sensibility of like this being a long difficult journey 
you know, in the pursuit of the singular goal and is it worth it? Uh, it kind of reminded me of that. And also remind me a lot of uh, like the Cohen movies where they just end up being like a uh, morality plays at times about like the consumption of greed and kind of what it does to you and what it means and how much, how is it worth it? Uh, it kind of works for me in all those respects. Um, you know, it's, a, I really enjoyed it, but I can certainly see like, this is not a perfect movie at all. It's a, it's kind of messy. It's kind of jumbled, but as somebody who really likes JC Chandor's stuff, I think a most violent year is a masterpiece. Honestly, like I really love that movie. Uh, you could see all those sensibilities in here. And this even feels like a weird pseudo sequel to like margin call in terms of like what it's actually exploring. Mm, interesting. Jeff Kanata, what did you think of this film? Well, Dave, <laughs> I guess you could say my thoughts about triple frontier are best summed up in the form of a limerick. Huh? And again, fancy that again, you're going to hate me, <laughs> but I couldn't help myself too late. Uh, too late. Okay. <laughs> <You're too late. laughs> Still going back now. <laughs> All right, here we go. The world now has wars forever. I thought that meant I'd sure never find a film I'd love that reminds me of the oeuvre of Schwarzenegger. <laughs> that was wow, truly excruciating. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean it. I uh. Uh, this is not the kind of movie I'm inclined to enjoy anymore. There, there was a time right, right. in my there was a time in my youth when I could sort of blithely enjoy uh, this kind of broy. It's cool to shoot a hundred things. I can I can have fun with Predator and Rambo, and I could like think it's all oh, that's so rad. These guys are badasses, and oh yeah, that's so much fun to watch. I'm the world has uh, ruined that um, enjoyment for me, or or maybe just I've become more aware in my adulthood of the how, how messy and um, not fun that all that stuff actually is, and you sort of realize that a level of escapism is not actually enjoyable. It's 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 you know. It's hard for me to enjoy those kinds of films anymore, and they don't make those kinds of films anymore, right? One, one thing that's kind of amazing about Triple Frontier is that it's not based on anything. It's not a sequel. It's I it's, will say, Jeff, it, it, they do make a lot of those movies, and they're all made by Peter Burke. Just throwing that <laughs> <true>. out. <laughs> You're right. Peter Burke still makes those movies, uh, and I do not enjoy them most of the time. Um, Fair enough. But, uh, you know, this movie is not a superhero film. It's not a uh, it's not a sequel. It's not based on anything. It is a straight up action movie that they kind of used to make, you know, that that uh, that I used to like. And I tend not to anymore. These are, you know, these are bro -y. You know, it's feel the how cool you are with a gun and how awesome guns are and how rad it is to be highly trained and and good with that stuff, you know, just not something I dig anymore, but I loved this movie. I loved, I had fun from the word go. That first opening action sequence is amazing. The way this movie is shot is, mm -hmm. is awesome. I mean, there's a, sh there's a, a shot in the, in the first, I don't know, 10 minutes of this movie where uh, Oscar Isaac shoots a, a grenade into a building and it's shot from like over his shoulder. It's, it's amazing. And he, it's across this street that he shoots. It's just incredible. Uh, so I was having fun on a sort of a pure action movie level early on, despite myself. 
and it's it, this movie kind of reminds me of Three Kings, which is a movie I love. And um, th- this it's 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 a heist. I love heists, uh, and it's sort of a um, I love movies like Judgment Night, where the best of intentions start going wrong and things uh-huh. go worse. And I love that thing. So Ju- Judgment I mean, Night has gotten so much love on this podcast from you, Jeff. Which is, I don't is, I don't dispute, but I just think like. Uh, out of any podcast in the world, we probably talk more than Judgment Night. Uh, talk about Judgment Night more than anyone else. I think it's one of my it's one of my sort of uh, pillar examples of a type of movie. Uh-huh. I think it's the it is a p- pure example of that thing, which uh-huh. is like the only plot of D- Judgment Night is hey, we all want to go to a part. We want to <laughs> go to this cool concert and we can't. Well, it's a fight actually, but we all want to go to this cool thing and we can't. Because things start going wrong, uh, and I, I just, I, it's very pure distillation of that thing, which is in a, present in a lot of movies. Um, you know, a, a simple plan, and there's a lot of examples of of movies like that. But there's none more pure than Judgment Night. So uh, <laughs> I, you heard it here. Mm-hmm. Um, on one level, it's the kind of movies I dig in a lot of ways, but also I really admire the fact that this movie starts out as this bro-y action film right. about how cool it is to be cool, how badass it is to be badass and, and, you know, and how we're, we're going to, you know, do this rad heist and get the money. And it becomes a meditation on the value of human life. And it actually grows a conscience in the course of the movie. And I found that to be really well executed. I thought, uh, as Devendra mentioned, the relationships are all, they're all shorthand. They're all, uh, bro-y and typical, but I feel like the movie deftly does all that. It doesn't hammer it over your head. It doesn't, um, it doesn't indulge in the sort of Peter Bergian version of that, which is manipulative i think i mean there's some there's a little of that but i think it's it's subtle enough I'd and say there is a lot of it but okay Can, sorry Jeff, don't want to interrupt I, it's it's I, wrestling i think with deeper concepts than what we've yeah, seen with yeah. a lot of the people like okay I, i'm looking at a movie i haven't seen uh what's what's the latest mark Wahlberg as historic american soldier one uh mile Patriot's Day, something. i think probably. no mile, mile, something, mile 22 something. mile 22 yeah mile 22 which seems like a movie about a group of like this movie except far dumber and like far just about the raw, raw nature of it. And I, I think this movie kind of wrestles both things because it is about the consequences of your actions and not just going in and blowing up a town or something. Yeah. I think you're, I think you're right. Devendra. I, I would, I would put this in the category of, Oh my gosh, if you do the kinds of movies I don't like well enough, smartly enough, yeah. I can like them. And I found myself really enjoying this movie. I found it tense and riveting. I was in it with these guys when things start going bad. I, I was on the edge of my seat. I, I was, I put myself in that situation. What would I do? How would I go? It every time I don't, we'll talk about more in spoilers, but uh, it, I really, really liked this movie a lot. Uh, so are you familiar with the walk hard problem, right? That, that movies have, right? <laughs> Which is that yeah. I've seen a lot of critics I, I talk about this. I know where you're going with this, Dave. I've seen a lot of going. critics talk about this, uh-huh. which is basically that after they watched Walk Hard, it, it, it is almost impossible to enjoy yes. musical biopics anymore. Yes. Because Walk Hard does such a good job of skewering every cliche from those movies. Mm-hmm. And, and 
what's remarkable is that we almost had a musical biopic uh, that was made f- of the kind that was made fun of by Walkhard win Best Picture this year, which yeah. is Bohemian Rhapsody, a movie that follows the Walkhard formula almost exactly. Uh, and that is unfortunate because musical biopics have kind of had the same formula for decades, and we really, yeah. we really need to learn from that and, and are, be better. are you going to reference a classic movie that begins with m david yes that's correct okay. that's correct i'm ready and for so this. for me the walk hard issue is present <laughs> in this movie right definitely because the analogy sat analogy goes and i know there's a lot of uh you know actors children out there who won't understand this but the sat analogy goes <laughs> oh, brutal uh Ouch. uh the sat they analogy can't hear goes, you over their money by the way so it doesn't matter <laughs> The SAT analogy goes, uh, walk hard is to Bohemian Rhapsody as MacGruber is to Triple Frontier, right? They do the MacGruber uh, recruiting sequence. They do the the MacGruber recruiting sequence. (laughs) It is in this movie. Yeah. I Um, need a pilot. Head head nod. Yeah. Rock music in the background. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's – I don't think this movie is great. You know, I just have to say. Are we are you judging it just on that and not? No, on no, no, no. I, I think that it's it's just not it's not that good. I, I, I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's terrible because the just with the sheer act acting talent involved with the sheer talent of the people uh, involved, um, you can't like uh, it. It has to have at least some level of competence. And I agree sure. that the action scenes are. Are pretty good, and a lot of the acting this is pretty good. Made for you, Dave. Like I know you enjoy this sort of like action thing. Like this is this movie also feels like uh, Oscar Isaac's uh, tryout for Metal Gear Solid. Basically, like this is him <laughs> at Solid Snake, and it, it's glorious. I, yeah. I'll buy it. Yes, have some. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I, you know, I think it's merely okay to good, and certainly not great. I think there are a lot of problems with this movie. One of them is, yeah, the uh, adherence to I- extremely cliche formulas and adding nothing to them and, and arguably doing them worse than uh, other films. I mean, uh, you guys, this is, a, this is a fact that Criterion Collection does not like to admit. But are you aware that Michael Bay's Armageddon and The Rock are you in know. the Criterion Collection? Because you own them. I, yeah. I own them. That's correct. Yeah. That's correct. And um, in uh, the, you know... <laughs> The essay, like each one of these movies, has like an essay, like a Criterion essay associated with it. Um, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna read the, to the, you the essay for from uh, Armageddon is just USA, USA, <laughs> USA. Film professor Janine Basinger wrote this um, uh, following description of Armageddon in the in the Armageddon Criterion essay. He she writes, uh, "quote Armageddon is not for the faint-hearted, the slow-witted, or the dim-eyed." Consider how the film it's explains. True. true. Consider how the film explains what Harry Stamper's vacationing crew is doing when he sends out the word he needs them. In little <laughs> more than one minute of screen time, five key characters are identified, established in a specific environment, shown relating to others, given distinct personalities, and defined in ways that indicate how they will behave in the later mission. If that's mm-hmm. not screenwriting, what is? <laughs> Indeed. What but is? why? <laughs> You're bringing that up, Dave. Except I think. I think this movie actually does do, even though it, it does, does a shittier version of what I just said. I don't, I don't, I, I don't disagree a hundred percent. Yeah, dude. yeah. I actually really like all the character yes. introductions we got. Like when he, him, like it is the McGruber thing. It was like he approaches Ben Affleck's, like I need you for a job, but then it goes into like, oh, his life is shitty. 
And he, he's selling condos because he can't do anything else after being a soldier and giving his life to the country and has like a fractured relationship with his daughter. Like they're the in the, in that short sequence, you get so much about this guy's life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ben, I think the Ben Affleck he, character is like that that introduction yeah. is decent. But even but, like even I like the way they introduce like the Garrett Headland character yeah. too. Which is just like we're we're oh all of a sudden we're behind you know we're in the uh, the training room we're in the the you know what do you, what do you call it like the where you're getting ready for a fighting match and all of a sudden like Garrett Hedlund's just like he's in the zone he can't even like really think about this like he is you see him as a focus guy he's like oh yeah yeah, yeah. okay you want to do this mission cool 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 but my head is in this giant fight right now well it's also I, funny I, like, because. He, Everybody else thinks what he's doing is dumb, yeah. and he's like, "No, it's fight night. It's fight night." Like, yeah, 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 pal. All right, it's fine. And yeah. it, it looks like he gets the crap kicked out of him. Right? Yeah, he's yeah, not, yeah. The he's shot is awesome. getting punched, cut away. Yeah, it, I don't know. It, I thought it was all clever and fun and shorthand and done deftly. I mean, yes, it's yes, it's getting the band together. There, you you have to do that. I, it feels like you're mad that it's a trope, not that this movie does it, but that it has to be done in these kinds of movies. And I felt like, yeah, it has to be done, but it, this movie does it well. It does it competently and smartly. It doesn't insult my intelligence. If like, this is something I could see Soderbergh sitting down and be like, okay, we're going to reinvent the group getting together dynamic. I'm going to edit here and here and here. I'm going to go back in time. I'm going to like just really reinvent how this works. This doesn't change that formula, but it still kind of works for what the movie needs. I, I just need to be really clear. I'm not mad at it for being a trope. I'm not mad that this is a common thing. I'm mad that the movie, in my opinion, in my estimation, didn't do a particularly dr uh, good job of it because I think these characters are so thinly drawn and have so little personality that it's hard to root for them. Uh, it's hard to see any kind of growth in them at all um, during the course of the movie uh, because you you know really? so little about them. So that that's my beef. It's not that oh, it's a common thing. It's that I I actually think Armageddon did this did this exact thing better than this film, which is I like a rough yeah. statement to say about a yeah. movie. Um, yeah. So anyway. I, I would say everyone has distinct personalities. Like the thing is, the movie doesn't spend much time with each character, but the introductions, like we start with Charlie Hunnam's character giving the speech in front of like a group of uh, recruits saying, don't do what I did. You know, don't don't sell yourself out, I think, after you do your service, like which is the thing, right? Because America and all these countries train soldiers. And once they're done fighting, then all these private companies can come and like enlist them for whatever the hell they want. And most of the time, it's not great. And seeing him kind of reckon with that, too, I found was fascinating. And by the end of the movie, um, he it's it sort of kills him to do this thing. Then he seems to have he was the we'll talk about this in spoilers, yeah, let's, I guess. Let's, yeah, let's just wait till spoilers there's, there's before not, we get to before yeah, there's we get to growth. The there's growth and there's I changes, agree. especially with Ben Affleck's character, too. Like, I think once money Hold gets them. involved, like things change in ways that I find really realistic and interesting. Okay, well, I I can't uh, I was I'm surprised that you guys like this movie that much, but it's cool. It's cool. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I will say that uh, did you guys see this article that came out a year ago called "The Great Sadness of Ben Affleck" in the, in the New Yorker? And the, <laughs> the, the, is, no. is the result of that? Yes. I, I'm not going to read from the article, but basically, it's the, the the summary of it is that Ben Affleck has been photographed like numerous times yeah. looking sad. Right and uh, and certainly he, uh, he like he Listen, separated from, rough for Ben Affleck. Yes, yeah. He, he se separated from Jennifer Garner in like 2016 and and uh, is no longer playing Batman after he's like going a, through 
he went through rehab. Like, there's a lot of stuff. Very long, protracted, on. like Batman situation too. Like, it was that it was, was speculated yeah. since Justice League that he wouldn't be doing Batman. He finally came out and said it publicly recently. And uh, I gotta say that that was a great character introduction because when Ben Affleck is shown um, selling condos, I had a split second. Yeah. I had this thought in my head, like. Oh my gosh, is Ben Affleck okay? You know, like I, I actually <laughs> thought that this was about Ben Affleck and not a character he was playing. Yeah, I mean, Stop. five years ago, Dave, five years ago, this movie would star Ben Affleck. He would be the Oscar Isaac character, yeah. and now he's relegated to being like the the kind of like washed up guy who used to be a great soldier. There's a lot you could read into here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, so I thought it was only okay to, to good, and I, I I think that the the great themes that you guys are discussing are pretty mixed at best in terms of how they're conveyed in the movie. So well, let's it, Dave, if you want to talk about change, this movie starts with Metallica yeah. and gets to Bob Dylan. If that's not change, <laughs> that's I change. don't know what is. Yeah. That's change. Yeah. I mean, fair enough. Um, <laughs> I, I also have to say, like, I thought the, the score, which was composed by disaster piece, I think, yeah. uh, was pretty generic. Like, pretty- it, there, his some of his stuff rolls over the credits, and it's just like, oh, this is just like bro '90s grunge. Yeah, it's it's like, like I felt like yeah. I could buy it on a stock music website. Um, which but the movie has great music cues outside of that. Yeah, it does. Uh, agreed, agreed. Okay, okay. So I only thought it was okay to, to decent. You guys thought it was it was very good. Um, and uh, the good yeah, news they is, Daisy Chanter's career has mostly been going right. Like there was always a split over his movies. I didn't really like Margin Call, but I also know most people didn't appreciate Most Violent Year as much as I did. I love Most Violent. You know, Devinger, you and I are in agreement. I I love Most Violent Year. Uh, hated Margin Call. Yeah. Uh, this movie isn't as bad as Margin Call, but it falls more on that side of the uh, the line for me. So didn't we review All Is Lost and just like how All that Lost. movie just. It's so much amazing. With, I mean, let's all go back to talking about All Is Lost instead, which is a movie that yeah. we all can enjoy. Um, yeah, but anyway, I mean, All Is Lost is superior to this movie. I'm not going to yes. argue that. But uh, I, this movie, I, I don't know. It's more fun than it is good for me. I, I, I think that maybe you know it is a, is a little formulaic, and you, you know, I think it bothered you more than it bothered me because I was just having such a good time and in it, in it so hard. All right, let's get to spoilers for Triple Frontier starting right now. Now you're looking for the secret. Can I see this coming? No. But you won't find it because, of course... They're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret. You want to be fooled. You know this operation, what they're dealing... What they're setting up is not going to go right. And what, what goes wrong is actually it goes too well. And the problem isn't that all of a sudden the guys appear and they're, they're in a big firefight. The what the problem is there's too much money. There's more than they planned. So I did, what do I did you think do? that was very interesting. And in fact, that there is a. Um, did you guys, uh, did you, did you guys ever see Way of the Gun? Yeah. Right? The uh, the Christopher McQuarrie movie. Yeah. Um, in uh, in Way of the Gun, like Christopher McQuarrie was talking about how uh, Benicio del Toro is in that that movie, and and on set he had asked the question like. How much does I don't remember how many millions of dollars he's carrying? He's like two million or five million. It's like how much does like X million dollars weigh? And Chris McQuarrie is like, I don't know. Who gives a crap? And he's like, Well, I'm the one who's going to be carrying it, so I give yeah. a crap. Like, please tell and me. Widows else, answered you know. that too, by the way. Right, like, exactly. Widows. We're paying attention to that now. Uh, but it's basically that like he they did research and apparently it would weigh a crap ton. 
mm-hmm. I think is the technical term. And so like that informed how the rest of that movie was structured. Uh, because it was a, like a significant part of it was about getting like carrying that money, and I did think it was very interesting that a significant part of this movie deals with carrying money as a uh, as a mechanic, like a plot mechanic, um, and and it constantly you know things are going to start going wrong, right? That's yeah. kind of the movie we're in, but it constantly subverts your expectation of what's going to go wrong. Like Davinger's talking about, I you assume. That, oh, my God, they're going to get greedy and they're staying in the house too long. And he, he does the whole thing like, give us 15 extra minutes. And and you go, oh, it's going to it's the, the shit show is going to start here in the house. No, it doesn't really. And then you go, oh, here's the moment where the rinkity dink plane comes in. Right, and they right. got to figure out a way to use the <laughs> rinkity dink plane. I've seen that a million times. No, we get this badass <laughs> helicopter. And that's not the problem. It's like. It's smart, dude. The movie's smart. It constantly yeah. is is toying with that stuff, I think. But, and the problem is always too much, right? We have too much money, um, too much weight. What? And then, then you're left to reckon with, like, what is the cost of this? And, like, what, you know, <laughs> uh, is it's really them balancing their greed, right? And yeah. it also all starts with the Ben Affleck character. And you start to see immediately, like, how how desperate he is. As a as a as a person, I guess too. Like once he sees the extra money, he is like gung ho in like getting as much of it as they can, and that's the beginning of the disaster. Exactly, that's where it's their own wrong. greed and the journey yeah. of the movie. The change in the characters that you said you don't see is in realizing that human life is more important than their greed. Right? Yeah. It is. It is coming to terms with the fact that. They should never have done this, that the people that they've murdered in their lives are human beings, that you can't just treat people like that. And and that getting this body home is more important than money. And, and the final turn of the film is we're actually not even going to take the money. It, we have to give it all to this family because the life is is more valuable and could never be repaid. So in the uh, Slack filmcast, uh, in the Triple Frontier spoiler channel, Max uh, from the Slack filmcast wrote the following, which basically mirrors my thoughts exactly on the ending of this film. He says, The film gives the survivors a big moment where they donate their remaining shares of money to Affleck's family. It's an odd scene as it plays out as if they are commemorating the sacrifice of their friend when he died due to his own avarice. It makes it doubly odd that he's the only character that actually ends up with money. But okay, I can buy this as a darkly ironic moment and can buy that these characters might do this. What really bothers me is that after the film has plainly established how dirty this money is and how these guys chose to bring Affleck's body back over saving any more money, Hunnam offers Isaac the coordinates of the money with an insinuation that they should grab it someday. They carted that money through the mountains, losing one of their own, only to realize that they had to rid themselves of its weight literally and figuratively to survive. And what money they did collect, they didn't keep. So then why does the film present finding the money in such a jovial tone? If you're going to make a moralistic tale, I find it odd to leave on such a note. Hunnam was not, I I never got the sense that he was like, oh, we need to go do this. He's more like, I'm passing on the weight of this, this guilt to you. You know, like wow, the, that I, yeah. that is not at all how I read it. I mean, I didn't think it, it was uh, jovial is not the word I would use either, but certainly it was kind of like a kind of like a yeah. If you like ever want to get around to it, it's like a badass ending meant to like rev you up. Like, hey, I don't think it's, get ready it for is, Triple Frontier two. You know, like no man, it is like the ending of the Ring. Okay, like it is. Oh, we thought we think this shit's all over, and now all of a sudden, like, oh, we we could just like clear our conscience. We can like forget about this money forever. And I think it's interesting that, you know, they 
It's not like I don't think Charlie Hunnam's character is saying I need to go get this because he's the first one to give up the money. Like he he is washing his hands of all of this. But that money is still there. And I think it's interesting. He's just like giving Oscar Isaac the choice. You do with this information what you will. Uh, but then it presents to us like, yeah, the curse of this greed is going to continue unless he just gets rid of it. And I love we don't know. The movie, we I don't love know the movie had has uh, messy loose ends. Right. Yes. The yeah. only other objective they had was to kill Loria. And he's completely absent from the movie. Like it's I love that they constantly have this like what how did why wasn't he there well he how was did, there he was how, there he was there he was, yeah, he was they, in the they, they killed him in that in the panic room jeff it oh, happened in I like that, a minute i yeah. i thought that wasn't him and i thought they i thought uh, oscar isaac was lying no i thought no. he said he's dead but he no. he wasn't it was saying the same why the uh, the girl approached earlier uh, i i, I will say i will say this i actually uh, had a thought in my head that like Char- uh, like oscar isaac is so obsessed with killing Larea that I, I almost thought to myself, maybe that's not Larea, and maybe Oscar Isaac is Larea, and like that's his like body yeah. double, and like he's gonna kill him to like make it seem like Larea is dead, like like Oscar Isaac is the bad guy somehow. If this um, were a nineties, like yeah, that would, in my opinion, that would have been a much interesting movie. Instead, it's just bad storytelling, which is like that you have this bad guy who has essentially no introduction, and it's like, hey. Um, and it is this lie. It's this lie that these movies tell of like, hey, if we kill this one dude, everything's going to get a lot better. When we've seen from like, you know, reality and even fiction like The Wire that that's not how it works. Right. Like you just because you kill one dude, it doesn't mean that it's going to solve all the drug problems in this area. And I'm but that's sure the way that's the way that. Oscar Isaac frames it. You know, but Oscar Isaac just said he says he and I think somebody told this to him, like he was there for several years trying to help this country. And I think they really established which one he's in. Um, but he is there and you see him like even in that opening sequence where like the cops end up just executing the people that they capture. Like he he's a part of this, but also, you know, it seems like he's tired of the shit. He actually wants to make a difference. And I think he really believes the character believes this will make a difference. Even, of course, we know. Uh, based on other movies we've seen and everything, that that's not the case. But I, I, I can think like a guy who's been there for two years and just wants to like actually kill, you know, something or t- do something that'll help the country potentially. Like I could see him having this goal. This is how they think. The yeah, I, I just disagree. I mean, I think they're. I, I think the movie doesn't do a great job of like. I, I don't think the movie really does enough to even have a position on on the drug war and like what the big problems are of the drug war. Right. I think. The movie's not about that. It nods yeah, at that in an extremely simplistic way, um, but I don't think it's about that. I also think the the scene where they're they're like scoping, they're doing the recce, the quote unquote recce, um, where they're scoping out the place, was kind of like cringeworthy bad. Which is like they're they're going around and it's like oh they just happen to be executing eight dudes in the backyard today at the moment that they're it's just, it's just so over the top. I had that thought too. Come on, I, I had that thought. It, it is a very convenient day that the the day the money arrives is the same day you're doing executions is the same day you have your kids playing in the yard. Yeah, you know, it's, it's like, just so bad. It's like it's not but, it's not but, great. I mean, it's a it's a small fit. I I think the thing you haven't brought up is yes. how tell me what I haven't brought up. Well, you haven't brought up how I think well executed the big set pieces are, how thrilling there are the moments. I mean, the the opening set piece, you know, firefight in the city street or the, you know, the the rundown city street is, I think, really cool. There's uh, 
there's there are several incredible moments i think there are you know there's there's the the big ending jeep chase that's really a, a, a <laughs> lot of fun and well done um there is that the moment where they just turn into badasses and they go okay call out your kills go yeah, yeah, and they yeah. just the, it, the it, helicopter crash is just like hell, yeah dude Jesus. there are so many just pure cool action beats yeah. that you haven't even talked. You're kind of in the, in the weeds about you know the sort of higher themes of the movie, and and it's kind of it's just an action yeah. movie, you know. I also think the Trek itself is interesting too. Like this yes. movie looks like a nightmare to shoot. Literally, like every <laughs> everything they could have done to make this easy on themselves. Like no, we're we're gonna we're gonna take these sacks and just like do a mountain climb basically, or like shoot you know shoot in the tundra. It looks like I can't tell if they're shooting on location, but they're definitely shooting like high up near a similar sort of like mountainside like it this does not look like a fun shoot and that that's what might have been it, and yeah you feel it you feel it in them and how they're kind of falling apart and dealing with everything um yeah you're, you're it, talking it about the donkey scene like, jeff when the donkey eats it it's come on donkey. that was awesome <laughs> <laughs> jeff that was, was a, awesome. that was a creature's life jeff that was no, a creature's I, life I, and that was also a character moment. You, so it's yeah. like a character moment. You 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 feel it, dude. I'm awesome, not because I'm like, yay, kill the donkey. Awesome because you, it it, it brings home the what what's actually going on, and just to yeah. see yeah. the the money and the donkey's life snuffed out in the same moment. And the, the, I just thought it was, you know, I, I love I, movies where uh, you sort of systematically have to throw away the thing you've wanted your whole life because that's. <laughs> That's the story of my existence. Um, <laughs> okay, now I'm understanding. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, yeah. And the money, the actual burning money scene, yes. which is just like, fuck it. We're, <laughs> it's better we survive this and burn a couple, you know, million dollars or something, you know, to actually stay warm during the night. Uh, there, there are lots of little bits of this movie I really enjoy. And I think it goes deeper than most movies like this. And killing Affleck abruptly like that, that didn't surprise you? That was good. That was good. I'm like, oh, wow. That's a shock. Um, yeah. that, that is one of the maybe two times in this movie. No, probably the only time in this movie I was surprised by anything. Um, no, two, two times, two times. Cause I will say the experience of watching the movie, they're doing the heist 40 minutes into the, 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 the heist is starting 40 minutes in and I'm like, wait, like what, how is this, what is the rest of the movie? You know, like if the heist is happening 40 minutes in and I actually appreciated that they, they did the heist early on and, and yeah, like the, yeah. the rest of the movie is about how to transport the money. It's it's uh, it's, it's an it's interesting tough. approach. So those are the two things I appreciated, uh, th- you know, how interesting the heist is and, and moving the money and also Ben Affleck just getting killed off uh, with no fanfare at all, uh, you know, two thirds of the way through the movie. But I, I just think, gentlemen, like. Yes, the action is fine to good. You know, I, 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 there's very little in here that, in my opinion, was great. Um, that I would like. Oh, I'm gonna go back and rewatch that again. And I, I, I just, I'm shocked by your positive reaction because there's other movies out there that do a better job of covering extremely similar material, like Sicario. I would say by Denis Villeneuve, I, like that. That is a much better Sicario. film. I, I love Sicario, but yeah, it's so not. It's not the same. Yeah. I mean, I'd rather I, watch I, Sicario like ten times than watch this movie again. You know what I mean? Like this is yeah, but that, is... that's Armand Whiting the situation, right? Like okay. I'm I'm looking at this movie for its merits. <laughs> yeah, like, okay, no, that's you fair could, enough. You, you could compare any movie to a better version of that movie. You're right. You know? you're right, you're I, right. I, I'm just like, hey, what is this movie offering me? It is offering me like these these bros, all actors. I really like, by the way. I love seeing Pedro Pascal and Oscar Isaac. Like, just bro it up, seriously. <laughs> like, I will just watch that for a whole season. 
Um, and yeah, it consider it tackles these themes in inter- interesting ways. The action is well done. Uh, Sicario, as great as it is, is more of like a slow uh, meditation on the drug war, whereas this is about these dudes in particular. It's it's just different. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean I, <laughs> I okay. You know you're right. I don't want to compare this movie to Sicario, aka a movie I enjoyed much more than this. So we will move on. Um, but I think actually we're 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 towards the end of this this conversation, yeah. which is I think uh, I've I've done my my level best at convincing you that this movie is not that good, and I have failed abjectly at that, and that's fine. Um, uh, but I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. I think a lot of people will like it, and uh, it's available right now on Netflix. Is Triple Frontier? That's our review of it. So. Uh, stay tuned to hear what we'll be discussing next week. In the meantime, you can find more episodes of this podcast at slashfilmcast.com. You can also email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Our music comes from adamwarrock.com. Uh, our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker Kyle Hillinger. Until next week, where can people find more of your work on the internet? Jeff Kanata. I think we're overlooking the fact that I came up with two rhymes for Schwarzenegger. <laughs> All right. Well done. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. I think approximate and... rhymes is a better is a better yeah. term for. I what mean, you, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, I'm working with Schwarzenegger here. <laughs> uh... <laughs> you're right. You're right. I, I mean, it's like uh, Schwarzenegger is like the you know free solo of limerick rhymes. Yeah, exactly. Right? Thank you for recognizing <laughs> that. Yes, it's like the the most looked... insane challenge. Yes, I of... looked at the mountain and I climbed it. Yeah, no, no harness. I went for it. <laughs> yeah. Did I fall? Maybe. <laughs> In this analogy, you didn't make it to the top. But anyway. <laughs> anyway. Uh... So oh, I also have another podcast uh, where I talk about video games called DLC. The Division 2, which comes out this week, makes a great pairing with uh, Triple Frontier. So, uh, you know, listen to that. DLC, you can find uh, wherever you find podcasts or at 5x5.tv slash DLC. How about you, Devendra? Oh, I'm at Devendra on Twitter. I write about techandgadget.com. And I've also been at South by Southwest for the past week. So check out some of my coverage there. Some movies I didn't get a chance to talk about here, uh, but maybe I'll bring up later. Uh, and also, I'm doing a tech podcast at nomoretech.net. That's no with a K. Find all my stuff at davechen.net. And I'm doing another podcast called Write Along at writealongpodcast.com. That's W-R-I-T-E, alongpodcast.com. Next week, we will be discussing the new Jordan Peele horror film, Us. Uh, one of our most anticipated films of the year. Should be a fun discussion. Thanks for listening. We'll see you later. We watch the movies, flicks, tracks for the good, bad. It's the slash film cast for all the news and the movies coming out. Cause you know that it's the thing worth talking about. with his incredible new album Late Night Feelings featuring the hit singles Late Night Feelings and Nothing Breaks Like a Heart Mark Ronson Late Night Feelings out Friday